I think that's mm. why I like Obsidian so much because it has that flexibility. Since it's just a pile of markdown files, like I can add whatever tags I want to it, whatever backlinks I want to it. I could add nothing. I, I can add aliases or IDs or nothing. It's that flexible where because it's just files on my computer, I don't have to worry about like if I switch to another note-taking system, how am I going to export all of it? It's already on yeah. my machine. Mm, that's a good point. I just Googled Obsidian just to have a quick look while you're doing it. Obsidian makes me more productive on every device. My entire second brain now gets backed up easily and is customized to my liking. <laughs> Cassidy mm. Williams. Yes, I gave them a quote. I like them, okay? <laughs> Cassidy, if you're being paid to promote them, you have to disclose I, that. I'm not. I just <laughs> like them that much. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I'm coming to you with your new home team crew, the, the three folks who I will be handing a lot of the reins to for the show, hopefully this coming year. Um, so I'm going to let us do a little round robin here and have them introduce ourselves. Hello, everybody. My name's Cassidy. I'm head of developer experience and education at Remote. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL, and I'll pass it off to our newest member, Matt. Hey. Hello. Hey. Yeah, so I'm the technical evangelist at Stake Overflow. Just joined the team. Very excited to be here with three other lovely hosts. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be fun. Before you guys uh, were heard talking here, there's a whole disclaimer. None of the hosts' opinions reflect on that of Stack Overflow or their employer. <laughs> so you're totally in the clear. You say whatever you want now. Amazing. <laughs> Sierra, tell us your opinion on grits and coleslaw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I wanted to throw a topic in the ring today, and then I'll step back and let you three give me some thoughts. But I saw a tweet, and uh, this is perennially interesting, no matter what industry you're working in, but I think especially for folks in software development who sit in front of the computer all day. Uh, it was the tech stack for 2022 and talking about everything from the editor to the font, to the calendar, to the notes, to the email. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe we could do a little bit of a round robin here and talk about sort of like, what are the things when you sit down to make something or just to get a, a day of work done that you are find yourself turning to, you know, tools that you're really loving. Um, in this case, it was everything from, yeah, the front end editor to the database, to the payments, to the hosting. So yeah, curious uh, to hear like sort of the tech stacks folks are working with, maybe how that's evolved a little over the last couple of years, and then maybe some dream, some f look to the future and tell me what, you know, what it is you're excited to be working with. It's been exciting to see like developer tools and productivity tools are really popular right now. And there's tons of companies yeah. like disrupting the space and everything, which has been great for users of these tools, because now we get to use all kinds of new shiny things and, and they solve a lot of our problems, which has been really nice to see. Yeah, I think probably for me, my most like, oh my goodness, this is going to be super on brand for me, especially if you follow me on Twitter. But my, the thing I use the most, well, not the most, but the thing I'm most excited about to use every day is Notion. Mm -hmm. I'm mm, like, yeah obsessed with notion i make my notion spreads super like aesthetically pleasing and mm. i add gifs and pictures and colors and all that kind of good stuff um it just helps me i i use it i think people use the term like second brain so i put everything there like my whole life yeah. is in notion right now i wouldn't be able to get anything done without it mm. so i keep like 
track of my daily task in there, like reminders for like, don't forget to do this tomorrow or else like <laughs> you'll get fired, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. So Notion is probably my number one like favorite thing to use nowadays, which is not super like developer-y, but I it's guess it's pretty developer A lot of developers yeah. use yeah. Notion. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Okay. It counts then. There's a there's a hell of a lot you can do to customize it. And I, I got down the YouTube rabbit hole where I watched one like Notion setup video. And then I have like 50 different people being like, this is my Notion setup for 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been really cool to see. And I, I one of the things I love about it as well is that unlike other note taking apps, you can make something public. So if you yeah. if you created a page that you want to share with somebody, it's super easy to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sharing templates with people on Twitter because <laughs> I'm that much of a Notion nerd. I'm like, here, use this. I use this to organize everything. Use it. So yeah. I I also use Notion, but not as like my daily driver of note taking. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, but <laughs> I use Obsidian for my note taking. And I've mentioned mm. it on this show before. I'm obsessed with Obsidian. I, <laughs> I tried to make Notion work as like a second brain thing. And honestly, it just wasn't fast enough for me and i think because mm -hmm. like there are sometimes where i can be forgetful if i'm very busy and and by the time the notion oh. app loads i have forgotten what i wanted to write down and stuff and that's because it, it has that like online element to it and with obsidian everything is local first which has pros yeah. and cons um, but i love being able to just kind of own all of my files have it just local on my computer sync to other devices and stuff and and I have everything from project planning, to-do lists, remembering people's addresses, everything is in Obsidian. And sometimes it's just like a one-line note, and sometimes it's a full-on essay blog post of some kind. Um, and then if mm. I do want to publish it, I can go to Notion and put it in a public page. I think it, part of it might also be that like Notion has that like new aesthetic that people really mm. like with the branding and everything. They're also really good at branding which is a whole nother podcast episode. Don't get me started on branding and marketing because yeah. I'll talk all day about it, but they're really good at that. I think there is definitely a, a kind of element of flashiness with a lot of the note-taking apps because it's fun oh, yeah. picking up a new note-taking app and being like, this yeah. makes my life so much easier. <laughs> and then you kind of use it for a little while, you get embedded in the system and then something else comes along and you're like, ooh, that's shiny. I kind of like how they do that because that fixes a problem having with the other thing that I have. And then it's it's relatively easy to pick something up and run with it and start investing in it. I think that's why I like Obsidian so much because it has that flexibility. Since it's just a pile of markdown files, like I can add whatever tags I want to it, whatever backlinks I want to it. I could add nothing. I, I can add aliases or IDs or nothing. It's that flexible where because it's just files on my computer, I don't have to worry about like if I switch to another note taking system, how am I going to export all of it? It's already on yeah. my machine. Mm, that's a good point. I just Googled Obsidian just to have a quick look while you're doing it. Obsidian makes me more productive on every device. My entire second brain now gets backed up easily and is customized to my liking. <laughs> Cassidy mm. Williams. Yes, I gave them a quote. I like them, okay? <laughs> Cassidy, if you're being paid to promote them, you have to disclose I, that. I'm not. I just <laughs> like them that much. They also have an open plugin system, which is amazing. So oh. if, if you want to write like a JavaScript module of some kind to make your notes even yeah. better, you can. And the things that I've seen people do with it are just incredible. Where there's this one person that is like studying to be a chess grandmaster and they were able to like put in a syntax and it renders chess boards in Obsidian. Uh, and and it's, wow. yeah, there's a lot of really cool things to it. And I'm able to query my notes like it's a database 
just like you can do in Notion as well, but you can choose to do that. And and yeah, their open plugin system, the fact that it's cross-platform and again, local first, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm interested in um, using Notion's API. I've been saying this since their API has been public. Like, I want to see how far I can take that, but I just haven't carved out the time to do that yet. So maybe in a future episode, I'll be like, oh my gosh, you guys hear about all the amazing things I did with Notion's API. <laughs> We'll see. see. I think it's probably a good thing, actually, that you've waited. I actually wrote a blog post on this subject on the Stack Overflow blog back in the day, basically about uh, like Mm. being cutting edge versus bleeding edge. Um, I think right now with the Notion API, it's just new enough that it needs a lot of kinks ironed out. And so it might be a good thing that you haven't played with it just yet. Yeah. Let's take this full circle. Cassidy, wasn't that post about Apollo GraphQL? It Isn't that was. What the conversation? I Ciora. think it was. Wow. I think it was. Look at us. Wow. Yeah. It's meant to be. Yeah, we're all connected. Um, yeah, I like that we've been doing content long enough that we like, remember that old, that old you know, thing? Get, take that out of the archives, dust that old post off in the archives. It's still relevant. All right, let's look at some other uh, stuff here. We covered note-taking, but note-taking obviously in this format can be quite flexible. What about, yeah, for building something or calendar email? Somebody shout me out a tool that they're loving and we'll take it from there. For calendar, I'll shout out Cron. I've been Mm. really liking Cron. Like the name. Yeah, it's kind of, a lot of devs are like, you mean like Cron jobs? No, but spelled (laughs) the same. Um, (laughs) It's at cron.app. And what's cool about it is uh, I was using using Vimcal for most of last year, which I liked because it was, kind of on top of Google Calendar and you could navigate your entire calendar with keyboard shortcuts, mm-hmm. which was so nice because it was it was very quick. And Cron lets you do that plus a little bit more um, and has some really good native desktop apps. And what's nice is I can say, for example, oh, I have a meeting right now. I just do this keyboard command and it opens the Zoom for that meeting. Or mm-hmm. I could say, oh, I want to see my coworker's calendar. I just type one command and then their email and then I see their whole calendar. Or let's just say I want to send my availability to someone instead of looking through my calendar manually or pulling up a Calendly or something. I basically select the time slots I want to send them and then they get a booking link and they can go from there. So there's a lot of really nice to have tools built into the calendar app itself. I'm boring. I just use Google Calendar. (laughs) I just stick with that. How does, can it, does it integrate? Because like a lot of, a lot of our work stuff is with G Suite. And yeah. is, is it possible to kind of link through your Google account and set up everything so it's nice and easy? I, I link all my Google accounts in there. Ooh, okay. I know. Something to try this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about other stuff like um, the post you sent, you shared, Ben, um, the person was like talking about what they use for their database, all that kind of stuff. I don't work with databases that often, but in my day-to-day like workflow, like, okay, I, I wake up and I, I open wake a up. database. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I usually do is I open up Notion. Like that's the first thing I do. And then if I, depending on what is set for my day, I may test out some apps or work on some uh, coding samples and things like that as a developer advocate, whatever. I usually use VS Code. That's mm-hmm. like the thing that I'm mostly working in. What about you guys? I also use VS Code. I was very much on Team Vim for a very long time, but I have I have been converted. Where's Boss? hooked me into the vs code ecosystem and i just love it it's so good he makes it so nice and his um he does this really cool custom theme as well which makes everything so pretty and satisfying to to use 
I'm a big fan. Yeah, code is great. I love using pretty tools. It's so nice. Yeah. yeah. Are you the type of people who are picky about your font or anything? <laughs> no. I'm Just not picky bit. about my fonts, but I'm picky about like my themes. Like my mm. VS Code theme has to be cute. Otherwise, I'm mm. not going to code at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I started using a font called Mono Lisa, and I love it. And, and particularly because it's really, really wide. And so it's really easy to read where there's there's a lot of coding fonts that lean in on the making things super narrow, which it, it fits more stuff on the screen. But especially if I'm teaching something or live streaming and showing a lot of code on the screen, it's nice to have just really, really visible letters. And, and it's a nice wide font that I recommend. Mm. That's that's so nice. You know, we had a piece up the other day about like being empathetic with like code comments and, you know, things that you're going to be sharing with other folks. And it's like, yeah, you can make it really narrow so you can fit more on the screen <laughs> or you can make it really wide so other people can read it or learn yeah. from you while you're what doing it. You know? So it's two different things. Yeah. I actually had to consider that for the first time. Um, well, not the first time, but like I've given talks before and I'll have like code samples in the talks on the slides, I should say. But I've never had to like live code before, like on a stream until mm. last week mm. was the first time. Last week? Yeah, last week was the first time I was on a stream where I got to try out um, Vue for the first time ever. Nice. And it was the first time I had to think about like, oh, I have to make sure that like other people can actually see my code and like read it and read every like the documentation I'm reading and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something to consider, especially if you're doing like streams or pair programming or whatever, where people have to see your screen. Mm. Yeah. When I was, when I was teaching workshops full time, I basically had a setup for, is my code going to be on a TV screen on a projector yeah. shared over zoom? And, and cause it, it actually does make a difference on people's screens, the fonts that you use, the color schemes that you use and how people can actually read it. Mm. Is there anything to make that more responsive? Like, there so are, you don't have to manually do it? There are shortcuts in VS Code, actually, that you can oh. do. And, like, for example, Controller Command B will move the file tree to, like, shrink it or expand it and stuff. And and there's, like, little commands where if you have to show your screen a lot, it's nice to memorize those or have a post-it note of those so that way you can quickly change it. Like, oh. if you want to change your color scheme, you can do it in, like, three keystrokes if you know the commands. Oh, I'll have to figure those out. It's super useful. It would be an extremely niche episode or video or tutorial, <laughs> but but I think this would be so useful for anyone who has to present. Yeah, and yeah. just and just talk about kind of like how to use VS Code to present in a way that makes it accessible <laughs> to the people that are actually trying to understand what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah don't, very don't worry true. too much about this show being accessible. I'm pretty sure Paul Ford has done multiple episodes on the font he prefers, uh, <laughs> and we've done multiple episodes on the oil Cassidy prefers for her keyboard. So, you know, <laughs> we can go down a rabbit hole very or two. True. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's very <laughs> real though. Cause like, like I have mm -hmm. different commands for changing the line lengths of my codes. So that way it wraps shorter if I'm zoomed yeah. in at a certain point, or if I want there to be more space in between my lines, all, all kinds of things where it just helps if you are in front of a group and you have to move fast to get to the point. Yeah. 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 I'll definitely need that. I'll need to look into that. I'm realizing that VS code has so many, like different shortcuts and extensions and all that kind of stuff. Like I really don't think I know how to use it to the fullest. That's like one of my, one of the things I'm supposed to be learning this year is like how to really use VS code. I used to ignore all the articles that are like how to use VS code productively as an engineer. Yeah. I used to like ignore them. Cause I was like, 20 I don't care. productivity hacks, <laughs> smash that subscribe button. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I'm not watching that, but now I'm like, Oh, maybe, 
maybe that would be useful for me. So Wait, y'all, y'all are hating, but I'm pretty sure we're going to own, unless it's already been taken, top fonts for live streaming or teaching. <laughs> I mean, like, this is an unexplored topic, I think. We could be, you know, that's You're Greenfield. Right. You could be pioneer that, get in there early, grab hmm. that SEO. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Next article, Cassidy? Yeah. Okay. I'll write it down. Obsidian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do do all of you use just Gmail for your email or or do you have any clients on top of it or any other things? Just, just Gmail. Just good old Gmail. I do too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I admit I want to switch if I can. It's, it's something that I, I've been interested in, like I see people switching to fast mail and proton mail and stuff to have more privacy friendly options, but Gmail is just so convenient. It's, it's hard for me to think about switching, but at the same time, I would love to own a little bit more of my data. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. That's a really good point. (laughs) That's the, it's the, I I feel like it's a hard balance with just with software development in general. There are so many different tools available for you to use. And sometimes you just need to make the call around this makes my life easier. It might not be the best or the flashiest, but it works and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. What I found is that like with, especially with software development stuff, like, oh, I like to use this framework or I like to use this static site generator, whatever, whatever. I feel like there isn't really a best one it just depends mm-hmm. on what you and your specific needs are. That's why when people make those like snarky Twitter posts or articles where it's like, this is why XYZ is better than ABC. It's like, it really depends on what you're using it for and what you're trying to accomplish. Like, and I'm, I've realized that very recently, like sometimes it may not be the flashiest. It may not be the fastest, but if it's the easiest thing for you to use, then mm. go for it. You know, Sierra, so. I think you're an official senior developer. Your answer oh my. Is, it depends. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, yeah. This whole episode is supposed to bring strong opinions. And if people want to ratio you after that's fine, but you're bringing the fire. Oh no, I've been ratioed <laughs> enough. So I'm not going to do that today. There's a there was a quote that I read recently that like messed with my brain in a good way where mm. it was just like nobody's giving awards for the best code unless you are mm. making things that developers are using specifically to use your code if you're just building something just build it and yeah. and it kind of got me over a mental hurdle where I had some side projects where I've been trying to like think deeply about the architecture of it. I mean, just like, okay, well, I want to optimize this and do that. And I realized it just has to work. I can yeah. always optimize later, but the longer I think about optimizing first, the longer it's not out the door for people to actually use and see. I think that there's a pretty famous old blog that we've referenced a few times along that line, which is like product market fit first, optimize down the road. You know, like you can get sort of in that analysis paralysis early on trying to over-optimize before you even know if people really want to use this tool, right? Like better to make sure there's demand there and then find out what the users want and kind of work from there. Plus, I think what you said was really awesome. Like how many of them are peeking under the hood to like see if the code's good or not as opposed to the experience. But I would love kind of like a, coding oscars where you know like they yeah. get the technical ones where it's like for editing or sound mixing yeah. or like things that nobody notices but if it was just like these are the top 10 apps now we're gonna like go under the hood who has the who has the cleanest code i don't know what standards <laughs> you would use to like evaluate that but that would be yeah, fun yeah yeah because yeah. i was working on one of my projects yesterday and i i optimized it way too much like over optimized <laughs> but it's perfect and and <laughs> I, as I finished it and I was just like admiring my own work, I was like, man, nobody's ever going to see this. 
Why did I spend so much time on like being like, I shouldn't use if else statements. I'll do a switch statement and then I'll make this big object that does this, like designing data structures and stuff. I didn't need to do that. And I probably could have gotten it done like hours earlier if I had just done it. Hmm. But it didn't make you happy. (laughs) It, it, you know, I was able to be like, I'm a genius. And then later be like, Am I an idiot? It, it, it's a good balance to have. That's why we build projects, though. So we can have that like one second of like, I'm actually so smart. No one's smarter than me. I'm the smartest developer in the I'm world. I'm incredible. Yeah. And then a- immediately after that, you spiral out of control and you think you're the worst person in the world. So, yeah. you know, is it worth it? And uh, we'll discuss that later. It's good to have that balance. <laughs> yeah. My my leading philosophy with um, creating like developer content, like articles, tutorials, or when I'm editing something else someone wrote, or if I am writing code, my leading philosophy so far has been clarity over brevity. I think when Mm -hmm. I was first learning how to code, like people drilled the dry thing into my brain, like do not repeat yourself ever. Like you want everything to be as reusable as possible, whatever. Um, But what I'm finding is that, especially if it's code that other people have to use or learn from, or if it's an article that other people have to learn from or consume in some way, shape or form, it's much better for it to be longer, but more clear what the meaning is or the function is than for it to be short and succinct and like super pretty. But like if someone else is looking at my code, they'll be like, what is happening here? So that's what I've kind of been trying to lead with. So I think so far so good. But it does mean that sometimes it's not the flashiest or the most like, you know, intelligent way to do things. But mm. sometimes but if that's it works, okay. yeah. if it works and it's out there, that's what matters. Right. Yeah. yeah, Matt, I want to hear from you about sort of yeah, like how you approach code quality in your own projects. But before I pass the mic, I have to say one thing, which is that working at Stack Overflow has been so nice for me as a former journalist because the stories we write for the blog can be as long as we want. <laughs> Developers do not care if you give them 3,000 words with no <laughs> images. As long as it's interesting, they will read the entire thing. And that is very different from working in mainstream media, where it's like 300 words and then a slideshow. Otherwise, people are <laughs> not going to pay attention. Matt, you've done some like live coding stuff and have some ideas for doing that at Stack Overflow, as well as, I think, you know, cutting things down so that they work for people who mostly consume video and like social media. So I guess I'd be curious to hear from Matt and also Cassidy and Siora, like what do you enjoy in twenty the year of our Lord 2022 when it comes <laughs> to like doing dev advocacy, which might mean sharing code or projects, but in sort of that snackable way, like what's fun and what do you think, what do you think people are doing well? You know, where like you kind of like feel like, oh, this is works. It's interesting. I'm getting a technical perspective, but also like it's easy to flip through. And maybe if I wanted to dive deeper, I could. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I really enjoy about Twitter, basically, because of the ability to kind of like post little gifts or like kind of one minute videos. You can it's it's basically tip city, you can get a whole bunch of different like things that you never even knew was possible with tools that you knew you use every single day. You know, you might you might be scrolling on Twitter and something will pop up and you're like, I didn't even realize that existed in my current tool set. Mm -hmm. And then it sends you on this whole rabbit hole of like, oh no, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And then, then, you know, you, you become an expert and like I, for VS code for me, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed because I'd saw somebody post up, um, I think it was Emmet abbreviations or something like that for like creating oh, react yeah. classes. And I was just like, what? I've been like copying and pasting like this, like default class this whole time. <laughs> so I'd love, I'd love to hear Cassidy and Sierra, what, what, what your opinions on that would be as well. I'm excited to see what of course, this is very Gen Z of me, but I'm excited to see what developers do with TikTok. 
Um, mm. I've seen a couple like university students kind of make like videos of like, oh, here's this thing, this interesting thing I'm building. I saw um, one person, she was a an intern, I believe, at YouTube in San Francisco. And she actually made a piece of art that was somehow an instrument, but with like code. I saw that. It was amazing. That, like, yeah. So I thought that was so cool. And she does like a day in the life of a YouTube engineer. And I think it's awesome. And I kind of, I'm interested in seeing more like um, content like that on TikTok. Because I feel like TikTok, you can do one minute videos or three minute videos. So I think we'll see a lot more of the like, here's a demo of this awesome project I'm doing that really has no value like monetarily, but it's still super cool. Look mm-hmm. at it. I'm interested in seeing stuff like that on um on TikTok a lot more. Yeah. It it probably sounds super boring, but the VS Code <laughs> TikTok is actually really good it's for that. Great. Whoa. It's great. It's amazing. Good too. Yeah. Let me see. They have so many commands where they're just like, oh, you want to do this in VS Code? We'll show you. And they do those little snippets. And mm. I've learned so many little tricks that I had no idea VS Code could do from their TikTok account. So I highly agree with you, Sierra, just because I didn't expect it from their account. I was kind of just like, oh, that's nice. I'll support them. And ever since following them, I'm like, dang, this is Whoa. solid. I know. Oh, my goodness. I'm so hyped. We should get whoever runs that TikTok account on the podcast <gasps> and just yes. have a chat about their strategy and what Please? they're doing. There, Can I reach there out have to been them? Some pretty, there, there have been some pretty cool ones. And they also have like their team rotate on the account. And so yeah. there's probably a few cool. people we could reach out to. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah. 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 There's love- this... TikTok. I spend too much time there, but I know it's dangerous. <laughs> it's like half an hour just melts away, and like it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. dangerous. It's so many it's memes. Um, <laughs> there's this tool that I tried out recently, and I'm really excited to see where it goes because it's it's still like early stages. Like you have to request access to try it, but it's it's called Incredible.dev, and that's literally their URL is Incredible.dev, and it's kind of like a video editor, but it's specifically made for developers to share presentations and code and stuff. And so let's just say I want to say, okay, here's how you want to make make a React function. I could be recording myself describing it. And then like the code can animate in, in different segments and you can put together like both code blocks and visuals of yourself or, or different aspects of your code at once. And it just kind of all animates together while you are talking. And it's really, really nice. It feels like it's a combination of like fancy keynote animations and video editing in one tool. It, it, it was really, really cool. And I'll be interested to see how that sort of space takes off because I think yeah. sharing those kinds of tidbits and everything, like you said, uh, both of you with with TikTok and, and with Tip City on Twitter and stuff, I feel like a tool like this could be really useful for it. Sweet. All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. I'm going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, somebody who came on Stack Overflow and helped to rescue a question from the dustbin of obscurity. Today, it was awarded to Bill the Lizard, who I happen to know. I don't remember how, but we've sent a few DMs on Twizzard. So anyway, (laughs) thank you, Bill. Uh, awarded nine hours ago. Bill has 381,000 reps. So he's been hanging around for a while. Um, The question is, is there a way to write an if statement, i.e. if and only if in Python, if with two Fs? So if you wanted to write an if only statement, if in Python, we've got an answer for you. And I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content marketing here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. If there's things that you want to hear us talk about on the show or folks who want to come on, email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. 
And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams. I am head of developer experience and education at Remote. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is at Sierra, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And maybe soon you'll find me on TikTok at the same username. We'll see. Uh, I'm Matt Kienander. I'm a technical evangelist here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online in many places at Matt Kander. That's M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. All right. Excellent. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you soon.